0: Hey guys, Rachel here. So, um, today's going to be our second replay episode. So, this episode was episode 17, I believe. Um, and so, obviously, guys, that's a long time because, I mean, literally we have, what, like 60-something episodes, almost 70 episodes now. Yeah, so this is actually episode 70, I believe. So yeah, so this was quite some time ago. Um, and, uh, this was with, um, Jacqueline Drake, um, for people that are not aware of who she is, she is a NASCAR reporter and also she's a reporter for the Cars Tour as well. Um, and she does some other things too, but those are the main two racing organizations that she does stuff for, um, And uh, I definitely really love this episode. I think um, you guys get to see um, a side of Jacqueline that is normally not seen because she's normally the one doing the interviews and not actually being interviewed herself. So um, I think you guys will definitely enjoy this if you haven't heard it before Uh, for the people that are definitely the OGs and have been here forever and have listened to all of pretty much all of our episodes up till now. Um, then obviously you're probably hearing this for maybe the second or third time or maybe more than that if you've listened to some of the episodes multiple times. So, um, so yeah, guys. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered hosted by your favorite bougie race wife Rachel Thornhill. Every week she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered. I am your host Rachel Thornhill, and we have a guest today. Uh, she is a Texas native, a Lone Star State, born and raised, um, and she is a sports reporter and um, also race car driver. I mean, I mean, what else has she done? And it's like she's done everything. And she's currently working uh, with. NASCAR as a reporter and also on the Cars Tour. So welcome, Jacqueline Drake. Hey, Jacqueline, how are you?
1: Hi, Rachel. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on today.
0: Oh, no, definitely. I'm so glad you were able to make it. I know you're such a busy person, so I'm so glad you were able to fit this into your schedule for sure.
1: I definitely I like to make time to be on you know podcasts or just sit down interviews um, and so I'm glad that we were able to make it work and I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more as well. Yeah, no, definitely.
0: So um, obviously, right now, you know you're you're stretched thin between two different two different you know racing organizations. So you're with the Cars Tour and then also with NASCAR. So, um, obviously the biggest question is, is like, how did you get into racing period? Like, where did this start? So
1: Yeah. So for me, it started at a really young age. My father was a sprint car racer whenever I was a baby. So the first time I ever went out to the racetrack, I was only six weeks old. Um, mm-hmm. and then I essentially like grew up at the racetrack. I was a toddler playing in the dirt with the cars and my brother. And my mom was a past racer when she was a kid. So they got myself and my brother, uh, I guess in the racing scene as early as they possibly could. And it became part of our lifestyle. And most of my memories from when I was really little was uh, us traveling around to watch him race. And so my dad got me involved in racing whenever I was six years old, as well as getting my brother involved. And it just kind of snowballed from there.
0: That's funny. Cause it's like, I I've noticed that with a lot of like racers, especially the women, um, that they all pretty much started in racing at a very young age, whether it was like their parents that did it and they just grew up at the racetrack. And it's funny. Cause that's kind of how it is. Like with my, with my kids, my kids grew up at the racetrack. Cause my husband, he was racing, you know, go karts and then sprint cars and then now a dirt late model. And so, yeah, So it's like, they kind of, it's like almost like, it's almost like just some switch that goes off in you. It's like you automatically are just like wanting to be involved in motorsports if you've been in it since you were a kid, so.
1: Definitely, and it very much is a family sport. So I do think that oftentimes when kids kids get involved, it's some sort of influence, whether it's from a grandfather or their parents, Um, but they had been around the track at maybe at one point supporting their own relatives in some form or fashion. And I kind of think if you really think about it, though, it's that way, though, in all of sports, like people that go on, they play football, maybe their dad played football or they grew up watching football with them. Right. So um, it definitely was a natural progression for my family, but it never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> the progression turned into a career which my dad uh, has always said to myself and my brother that, He's like you guys were way smarter than me because you guys figured out a way to make money in racing rather than just spend it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you know and and that's the thing it's like when you're a racer it's like you can but now it's like back i would say back then like especially if you got like into the world of outlaws or something like that you could have made like an income from it but besides that if you're racing locally yeah. It's more of a hobby. It's not something that you're going to make a massive Im- income off of. So
1: yeah. So right. no, I
0: totally understand where your dad was coming from.
1: <laughs> yeah. He was a little bit of a, uh, wild spade, so to speak whenever he was racing sprint cars and he would have local tracks that would pay for him to come because he oh, would had like the out of towner that would come and win against the local guys and so create this chaos between some of the race fans and so the tracks started paying his tow money to come out and race because they wanted fans to come out and see like the rivalry between him and maybe these local guys and so he made money doing that but definitely you know it wasn't enough to make a living and he was a full-time business owner and still is um so it was more advantageous for him to just focus on the family business, which has now been in business for over 40 years. So I guess it made off for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of uh, business does he have?
1: So my dad owns an automotive repair shop in Fort Worth, Texas. It's called Second Opinion. And then um, in the same building, my mom owns an engine shop. So they were very simultaneously uh, with each other on you know, car repair, and they have actually dived into a lot of uh, vintage car restorations. And they've done a lot of work for people um, in the MLB throughout Texas for Texas Rangers, and uh, various other just, you know, there's a lot of like celebs and high profile people that are really into vintage cars and restorations, but they may not know how to do it. So they are one of the best in Fort Worth. And I'm so proud of everything that they've been able to do. And They've grown that business. Um, He started it again, many, many years ago, um, just him and my grandfather. And it has really blossomed into something that um, I think has given me probably like a lot of drive throughout just growing up, watching him grow this business. Um, It's been really amazing to, to watch.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. And for 40 years, you know, I mean, being a small business owner, period, you know, is hard within itself. But to have a business that has sustained that long, you know, is it's rare. It's very rare. You don't see a lot of small businesses that last that long. And obviously, you know, they're doing something right because they're still, you know, thriving. And yeah, that's amazing.
1: So, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm yeah. really happy for them.
0: <laughs> oh, of course. And I mean, and, you know, it also taught you a lot of lessons too, like watching your parents like grow something like that. Um, you know, I mean for because my parents were um, are, were small business owners, too. So like I totally understand. It's like when you see them do that for themselves, it, it kind of like makes you realize that it's like you could build something on your own as well. So, Definitely. yeah.
1: Yeah, my dad was very much um, in my younger years. He he would preach to me often of you can do whatever you set your mind to. As long as you set that goal in your mind, you have a visual of what you want you can achieve it. Um, I'm still learning that as an adult though. I, I've realized that we like set our own limitations and don't even realize it. Right. But when I was a kid, he definitely would preach that to me time and time again. Oftentimes it would be around math though, because I was <laughs> terrible in math class and I would think that I wasn't going to pass whatever uh, tests that they would present. And I'd be really nervous about it. And he's like, if you think that you're going to fail, you're going to fail. But if you think right. you're going pass and ace this test then you will you have to have that that mindset that you will be able to achieve it so i still use that today but i have to work on it in a different different way of like setting a bar for myself versus just the positive mindset so anyway
0: (laughs) yeah no 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 you're good and no and you're absolutely right um i think i think that a lot of adults go through that problem where they don't realize like they have to unlearn a lot of that like we tend to put too much limitations on ourselves. Um, and yeah, I mean, as kids, we don't do that. It's like we literally think we can do anything in the world. But something happens between adolescence and adulthood that just changes that and a lot of us tend to put so much, you know, Pressure on ourselves and limit ourselves from being able to, like, really, you know, pursue our passions and our dreams. And trust me, I had to learn, unlearn a lot of that too. Like, this podcast is literally what, you know, made me get over that fear of like talking and, you know, just sharing people's stories or sharing my own story. And so, yeah, I mean, and it's like wow it took me this long but you know it's like it's like do it now or you know we only have so much time on this earth and it's like we you know we need to like not really hold ourselves back from what we truly want to do and so no
1: i totally understand yeah and for me like when i got started in working in sports i originally Mm -hmm. got started doing marketing and um which we can go back to that but i was doing the marketing piece and then i decided i wanted to do on air, but it wasn't, it was something that I realized I was interested in, but I actually didn't take like the full leap of faith and jump into the cold water, so to speak without an encouragement from my sister-in-law, because I was doing YouTube at the time where I would review makeup products and it was just for fun and it was just on the side. And she had mentioned to me, she said, are you interested at all in doing sports reporting and racing? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I never thought about it other than when I reflect back, it was some type of limitation I was putting on my mind at the time of like, you have taken this direction. This is all that you can do and are willing to do. But she had made a really good point to me. We were actually in Cabo inside of a casino. (laughs) (laughs) Said You're really good on camera and you know how to talk about racing. You've been around racing your entire life you talk shop with all of your friends, why don't you try to do on air reporting in mm-hmm. racing. And it was a light switch that went off for me and why I started doing the on air pieces. But up until that point, I never really thought I seen people do it. And I thought it would be really neat. But I didn't really see myself doing that. Um, or visualize myself doing that, because I didn't think it was an option. And Just, I slap my memory. Like, I want to slap myself because I put the limitation on myself to say, no, like, you couldn't do that. And then now I am doing what I thought I couldn't do, which is just very surreal.
0: Yeah. And and I totally understand what you mean about like, you kind of felt like, Oh, well, I don't know if I can do that. And see, I was I was kind of same way, like, because like, the whole thing with, you know, with being a, like a sports reporter, or whatever, a lot of a lot of times they tell you, oh, you have to go to college, and you have to major in sports casting in order to do that, or you're not going to be able to do that at all. Mm-hmm. And so like, I can kind of understand that because it's like, that there's also that limitation that a lot of times they want you to have that degree to back it up or like, you know, but I feel like, especially in your instance, like you're one of those people that has proven that you don't have to have that college degree background to be able to do this, especially when you have the experience in the racing community, you've been around it, you know it, you actually probably know it better than most people that majored in sports casting, especially if they were never around racing so
1: that's something that i i think about pretty often because i have a college degree but it's in science Mm -hmm. and uh, i have now been in two professions that have nothing to do with science (laughs) marketing and now reporting but um you know that's something that i i have conversations with with my close circle on Mm -hmm. You know my goals and what I want to achieve, uh, and where I want to go with the on-air piece. One for personal achievement of this is what I envision for myself. But the second part is that I don't have a journalism degree, and I like being the underdog. Right? I like being the person that maybe they don't expect. And as a woman in racing, naturally, people don't expect you to know. X, Y, Z about a race car or X, Y, Z about the sport. So I'm already the underdog. It's already an uphill fight. Um, But then of course, not having that degree. However, I have in my, in recent years, I have, you know, got coaches and paid coaches and had them teach me what I need to know. And I'm constantly improving on my reporting skills. So I think it's important to still always be learning and I'm continually learning every single race that I do. My stuff goes back to a coach. I get feedback. I'm really invested in that. But I think there is something to be said for just going after what you want, despite maybe a degree that you have and putting in the work, which is essentially what it it takes. It just takes a lot of work uh, to get to that point and then making the connections you need to make and seizing the opportunities. So, um, yeah, I think I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because I feel like I have something to prove but it's it's for multiple reasons and i think that i represent a larger group of people both um you know through education and through women uh in this field that i take very seriously
0: yeah no um yeah definitely like you said yeah you would be considered an underdog but honestly i think that's what is so great about your reporting is that you can tell that you know exactly what you're talking about. Like, you know, it's not, it doesn't seem. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say fake, but you but you get what I mean. Like, you can tell that it's not all scripted. Like you, you are improving some of it. And but it's because you actually have that experience and you know, what you're talking about. And so I think that's why with you having that you know, that previous racing background and growing up in it, that's why you're able to more improv some of your reporting that others can't do. So.
1: Yeah. And I will say pit reporting is not scripted at all. So (laughs) everything that happens on pit road, what you, you do as a stand up, or if you're calling what they're doing to the car, that's all one live and two not scripted because what happens live, you can't script. (laughs) Um, There are things in stand-ups that I may do that I will practice at home before I go, like I'll have a certain driver and and maybe he's a points leader or like Dale Jr. is coming and you really wanna do a stand-up about X, Y, Z. You know, I'll have those in the back of my mind, but The other piece to that is short track racing. You have to do a lot of research that isn't readily available to you because these drivers may have limited experience or they may not have a marketing portfolio out there. They don't have a lot of information. So it takes a lot of digging and a lot of social work, socializing at the track to get to know the drivers um, that you don't see on the upper three of NASCAR when you do the bigger races you have statistic experts that are giving you stat sheets and you have all of these people that are supporting you and in your ear and maybe directing you but how i grew up in the sport in my early years i did not have any of that so i feel like it was it's good. It was harder and it is, it is still harder to do the short track scene and move up through there. But I feel like I have been polished in maybe a circumstance that isn't ideal. So whenever I am put into a production and they got all their eggs in a basket, everything clicks really easily. And I've I've seen that as I've kind of moved up through different areas. And I'm so thankful for the hard times or the harder races because now I can be both because if I go to an event that's fully produced, fully scripted, and let's say, I don't know, like the monitor goes out. So the script isn't on there. Well, I can now ad lib or I can vamp or speak on to whatever it is because I've been doing that through pit reporting all these years.
0: Yeah. I mean, it kind of gives you like the best of both because it's like, you, you know, if something happens, you are not freaking out, you know, okay, like, I've had this happen before I got this. And like, I think I think that's what makes it so much easier for you. Because some people that's not what they have, they only have experience in either one or the other. But with you being more seasoned and having experience in both. Yeah, it makes it to where you can easily, you know, flip flop thre- between those situations without like, completely losing your cool so
1: Yeah. And I I tell pretty much anyone that wants to get involved in sports reporting, going and doing something local and not just motorsports, but if you want to be soccer, going to your local soccer field and just doing those reps time and time again are really what's going to help you. And it's what helps me the most too. getting as many reps as I possibly can in and critiquing myself as cringy as it is after i will go back and i'll watch the tape and i know typically i know as soon as i put the mic down after i do a report i'm like that was good or that was bad or why did you say xyz and (laughs) i'll go back the next day i'll watch the replay and i'm like yep why did i do that or (laughs) yeah that was a strong one so it's just it's being your own worst enemy but I am definitely a glorified perfectionist. So, you know, I, I try to look at it in a way of okay, this, I need to be better about. And then of course, my coaches will say the same thing. And I'm like, I know, I don't know why I did. that. <laughs> so we'll all agree, you know, on something. But um, I, I don't know where I was going with this. Other oh, than- no, no, you're good. <laughs> Obviously, <just> sure. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy.
0: But literally, like, my talk, my next talking point with you was about a lot of this and you literally covered it on your own. Like, honestly, I could just let you run the whole interview now. <laughs> so, but no, um, and, and you're right. And I do like the fact that like you have coaches that like you don't stop learning. Because I think that's where a lot of people, especially if they've been doing something for a very long time where they get stagnant is because they feel they know enough, and they don't have to like learn anything else. Yeah, and um, with you getting feedback, like getting different perspectives on what you do, um, I think you know that makes you more you know well rounded, and it gives you like more of a, a different people's perspective on like what you could do or what you might not do um and it it does it makes you it makes you a better reporter so no i mean i think that's amazing that you don't stop learning and you keep you know you keep learning so
1: yeah i i have to tell you this funny story mm-hmm. but i will often get ideas really late at night right before i'm about to fall asleep about mm-hmm. whatever like an idea of a stand up or an idea of a you know interview i want to do or or something visual And my boyfriend thinks that it he's like, you're a crazy woman, because this was a few weeks ago. I was going to an event and I had this idea and it's almost midnight and I'm like tapping on him really quickly, waking him up. I'm like, hey, he's like, what? I said, I have a question for you. He said, if it's racing related, I don't want to hear it right now. I'm like, but I'm going to forget it in the morning if I don't tell you and so i'll tell him ideas but it's it's this never-ending hamster wheel that's going Mm. of okay but what can i do more what can i do better here and there and i I, he thinks it's me being crazy but i i write it off as me being very laser focused into what i want i moved to north carolina from texas for a reason and i remind myself that almost every day every day i'm here when i'm choosing what i'm doing i'm choosing if I want to do this event, if I'm tired, or if I want to do, you know, when I'm choosing what I want to do, I'm like, I moved here for a reason. I'm sacrificing this for a reason. I'm choosing this for a reason. So don't stop. It's like all gas, no break. We're doing this. We're all committed. And I, I just I keep telling myself that because had I not wanted to do this, my life would be so much different than it is today. But I chose this path. And this is what I want. So I just keep saying to myself I'm not stopping until I get there.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, no. And I mean, you're right. It's like you took a big leap of faith, you know, leaving Texas and literally going across like the across the country to, you know, to North Carolina. Like that's not a small thing. And obviously you left for a reason and this was what you wanted to pursue and it's like you're going to either go all in or not, you know, it's like, there's no, you know, half-assing stuff, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm in it
1: because it's like, I'm moving halfway across the country to do it. So. Yeah. yeah. I knew that I wanted to work in racing and I knew that I wanted to be a part of something bigger, um, to think of like, even my brother uh, as we talk about it coming from a small town to where, we are now and the things that we are so blessed to get to do in the sport. Both of us are just two kids from a small town, went to a small school. We didn't have stoplights. We grew up on a farm. We (laughs) raced dirt racing or go-karts. Like we loved racing. We just loved to be a part of motorsports, And now we're a part of it, but on a bigger scale. And then when I, look back and reflect back to that little girl that was racing or when i think about my brother when he was racing i have a i feels like two different lives it feels like well that was a life and then now this is a different life um it doesn't feel like the same one most of the time but um i'm just really blessed to be able to do what i do and i say that all the time and it's i'm not, i don't mean it cliché but i right. am um i think that i'm i am lucky to get to do this i think it took a lot of tears and it still takes a lot of tears and hard work but um i try to embrace like the highs and the lows of all of it because i know the journey really is the destination which oh my gosh another cliche <laughs> right there but it is it really is mm-hmm. um and rewinding you know you When I moved here, so I moved here in 2013 and I was also in another relationship. And so I, you know, moved from Texas, he was in North Carolina, and I took a step both personally with that and professionally with what I wanted to do in racing. Um, and it's just, it's wild because I have realized in my early twenties to now, um, which my birthday was just last week or earlier this week, um, but how much changes in a decade of time Mm -hmm. and the people that you put yourself around, how they can really shape you and motivate you to where you want to go. Um, all of that really makes a difference. So, um, I'm glad I took the leap and, um, you know, it paid off
0: yeah i mean it definitely paid off i mean you're doing so much just this year alone i mean like with nascar oh my gosh we've got to talk about that the fact that you got to host at coda is amazing i was so happy for you when i saw that i was like oh my god that is so awesome yeah i was like and the fact that you got to co-host the pre-driver introductions like, that's amazing. That's like a huge thing. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so
1: happy for her. It was really awesome. Um, I had plans to go I had plans to go to Austin, Texas, because we have so let me rewind my NASCAR my NASCAR job, my full-time mm-hmm. job Monday through Friday is I'm a manager of media strategy. So okay. I work really close with our broadcast partners through digital marketing or track Activation and their contracts with broadcasting rights. So I'd already made plans to go to Austin because one of our partners, which is Flow Racing, their right. headquarters in Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. So again, I was going there for CODA, they have a suite there. Um, and I just happened to send an email over to our, um, at track activating manager for the cup Xfinity, all of that. And I said, Hey, I'm going to be in town for this race. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help out. And I meant that as in like, if you guys need help carrying equipment or <laughs> I, I, I figured at the, at this point, they probably already had talent figured out. Right. Wanted to be a part of it, even if it was behind the scenes, to mm-hmm. just assist. Um, And then 24 hours later, they said, "Yeah, we need a event host, and these are all the the things that we need, and we'd love to have you." And I was like, "Okay, well, that's very exciting." <laughs> <laughs> um, I was also really excited because it happened in my home state, so. I went out and had to go buy some white cowgirl boots because I wanted to wear those on the stage. And um, I did a whole like fan zone Q and A for a couple hours, and then driver introductions, like you mentioned. But uh, hoping to do some more of that this year. It was a really cool experience. Um, Actually, (laughs) I had learned event hosting while I was at the Cars Tour for seven years. I had done that with them and with the fans in the stands and all that. So um it was great to do that on a bigger stage
0: yeah definitely and yeah and obviously being able to do that in your hometown i'm sure that was that was you know a really big highlight because you know obviously that means your family
1: could see you on that stage and
0: yeah uh, yeah,
1: yeah it was it was a really cool moment um and i i just tried to do those like pictures you do in your brain of <laughs> It and tried to soak it up, but uh, again, just thankful to be able to do these opportunities. And um, I hope that people realize that they can do them too. Uh, it's just lining yourself up to be in that you know space of having the experience. When the door opens, do you have what they need with the experience, and can you back up? uh your resume and um so i i was i was all on board and <laughs> i was very excited to be a part of that
0: yeah, yeah that's that's awesome and then obviously you know you're doing stuff at nascar and you're also doing the cars tour as well it's like oh like do you even have time to like
1: have time to yourself cuz it's like you're constantly going you know yeah this year is going to be pretty crazy. <laughs> so you mentioned the car store stuff, I'm doing half of their schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus all of uh, the NASCAR events that I'll be doing. I'm doing various 10 pole events with that. I'm also going to be back at Bowman Gray doing booth announcing there this year at various weekends. Um, I just found out today I'm going to be doing some wheel and modified events. Oh, so nice. it is going to be a wild year, but uh, funny enough, I have had the last two weekends off because April is kind of this weird month where mm-hmm. things are getting, starting to get rolling. So I've already done several races, but I've had the last two weekends off. And I was <laughs> telling my boyfriend last weekend that I had FOMO. He's he said, "Why?" I'm like, "I don't know because I'm not at the racetrack this weekend." Right. And he's like, "You have no weekends off for like three months coming up." You should just enjoy this. I'm like, I know, but (laughs) I felt so bad saying that. So, but I just, I, I like what I do and I like being busy. I've been on the go since I was a kid. So yes, I have time to sleep to answer your question. (laughs) um, Sometimes it's on airplanes and not in my bed.
0: Right? Yeah. Wow.
1: But yeah, I totally understand
0: about the FOMO thing. Cause my husband gets the same way as like, if he can't be at the racetrack on a weekend, it's like, he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's like, I don't know what to do. Cause I'm yeah. not racing. Yeah. And so like, I being around him for so long, cause I mean, we've been together for 18 years and it's like, and we've been doing racing for, you know, from the very beginning. And it's like, yeah now i totally understand like how he feels because yeah because i mean we even get that way it's like like we can't go racing this weekend and it's like what do we do like (laughs) we don't
1: know what to do with ourselves i know i always have this conversation of what do normal people do on the weekend because i don't know what to do on the weekends like there's certain things i like to do like but when i'm not at the racetrack i it just feels really weird so yeah i went and bought, went and bought plants last weekend and planted plants because everybody was at lowe's so i'm like yeah spring <laughs> let's get some plants and that was fun but i definitely uh, just crave being at the track and i just i really just enjoy that atmosphere and um it's different working in it versus competing in it and getting right. to you know, get to enjoy it a little bit more whenever you're not working in it. But um yeah, I just I don't know. I'm I just I enjoy just being out and about and where all the racing people are.
0: Right. Yeah. No. I'm
1: yeah, I'm sure it's totally different,
0: you know, working the working these events compared to racing in them or just being the spectator. But yeah, like you said, just being in the atmosphere is is what makes it. It's like it's just And, and that's something that like my husband and I are always trying to tell people that have never been to a racetrack. It's like, once you've gone, you'll totally understand what we mean by it. Because it's like, it's something that's really hard to explain. But once you've actually experienced it, you get why people have this drive to be around it all the time.
1: Yeah. And I think once people see the sacrifice that crew members and teammates and drivers and their wives and when they see the sacrifice that it really takes to be out at the track i think that's when you start getting addicted to being there because you're around these people and you see a lot of sides to people at the racetrack like in some in some forms of sports you may only see you know a team be really excited. Mm-hmm. But in racing, you see people cry, you see them, you know, feel hurt or angry at another competitor, you see the wives that are cheering for their husbands, in um, the crew members that have maybe been on the team for 15 years, always changing the right side tires, there's so much heart that goes into racing. And how everybody really can pitch in, even if you're just handing a bottle of water to the driver. Right. So um, those are the things that I really like whenever I go and I'm able to just be a fan, um, but you get to really see and immerse yourself into what it means. Uh, you can't help but wanna go back and see it again.
0: Yeah, um, and obviously, you, I mean, you stay at the racetrack, so it's like you get to like experience that every weekend that you possibly can, and yeah, it. It's just like something that it's a really surreal thing because it's like people just don't really get it. But it's like when you get to immerse yourself in, in the racing community, the the people are what make it because it's some of the most amazing people that you'll ever meet. Um, And, and you know, just being immersed just in our local community for the past 18 years, it's like, you know, it, it's like, these are some of the nicest people and like they'll literally do anything for you it's like you can really make like truly like a family um by getting to know people in the racing community because it's like it's so tight-knit um and that's what i love about it so
1: definitely it definitely is some of my friends to this day that i made when i was a kid 10 10 years old 11 years old racing we're still friends to this day and we do a like type of reunion every year because we all go to the chili bowl nationals every year. So when I look around our pits at the chili bowl, it'll be like 60, 70 people at our trailer. And it's people that we have known over the years through different forms. Somehow we've met them in drag racing or we met them in quarter midgets or in legend cars or in late models, or they had a, you know, a cool car they brought in and it, it, it could have been just a car show or whatever it is. Um, and now we've just made them our extended families. So I, I totally agree with you. It definitely is the people um, that make you love the sport even more.
0: Yeah, definitely. And obviously um, you're one of my favorite people. <laughs> Always, I mean, honest, and the thing is it's like, and that's what I love about um, racing is that racing is is becoming so much more um diverse and inclusive um, especially when it comes to women um and i'm so glad that nascar has really pushed that envelope especially like not just with the racers themselves but also you know behind the scenes too because especially like with you and jamie little and all the you know all the women alex weaver I mean i can go on and on you know but that all of you have been able to really um step out there into the spotlight and be able to do more um for the sport and it's not you know it's not just the men out there like you guys actually are able to have that platform too
1: yeah i am so happy too i have a manager at nascar dan who is one of the most supportive people i've had in my entire career um of working and just in the workforce and he really does advocate for me um, believes in me he knows that i'm doing my homework and he completely trusts me so um it's really nice to be able to have just someone that you know in nascar that's you know advocating for you and there's several others that also do that and it i know that there's always um controversy with that people will say oh they're just putting them there because they're a woman or they're just choosing them because they want a girl you know or they're pretty or something to that nature i see it all the time people write it i i mean social media we all see it um but it's not that the people that are in the jobs they're really passionate about what they're doing and i promise that they're qualified for the position uh, and I'm not just I'm not speaking about myself many other women that are in the field um they care about what they're doing and they're passionate about it so um I I always stand up for them and I say no if if they got the role and they deserved it and they did the work and they they have the resume so there's really nothing more to talk about (laughs)
0: right yeah no definitely i've seen some of those comments and it's like oh my gosh like the fact that you think it's 2023 like we should be way past that where you think that people are just like women are just getting hired because they look pretty like no we you know we bring things to the table we have you know it's not it's like we were qualified that was the reason why you know, we got whatever it was. And it's like, yeah, that should never be a question. Um, but you know, it is what it is, but, and that, and that's one reason why it's like, I feel that women in motorsports, period need a bigger platform is because they're so underrepresented and they don't get, uh, you know, they don't get the TV time. They don't get, they don't, you know, they just don't get the opportunities that they should and so yeah that's why i'm such an advocate for all the women in motorsports is like because i've been around it long enough and i've seen it and it's like yeah like they they definitely you know need to be heard their voices need to be heard and y- you know you and jamie and alex you guys are definitely doing it on such a larger scale and i love that because it's like that's something that you know needs to be seen um you know because i mean it shows that hey like we can do it too
1: (laughs) yeah oh yeah my favorite thing too is um obviously being a past racer which i did that for 13 years and i'll still on occasion jump in a race car uh that's probably my favorite thing to do because (laughs) it's just showing that hey I'm not just speaking on the sport I can actually go and I can compete and I did compete and I have this racing resume that's behind me of proven that I know what I'm talking about and I think that debunks a lot of just maybe the, the negative people that are out there. Um, I had someone recently when they announced that I was going to be one of the car store pit reporters, someone recently was on Twitter speaking about how, how could they pick her? She doesn't know anything about racing and just, they were going off. This man was going off about how I was not qualified. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the, one of the, uh, main points as he made was that he said um that i had never been in a race car and that i'd never even heard of the cars tour and then of course like other people were were chiming back at him saying she worked for the car Tour for seven years and she raced two years ago so i don't <laughs> know what you're talking about you're right. um, but yeah i mean you're going to have that people that are going to bring you down, but it's just important to stay focused and, you know, on what you want. And, um, you know, if there's negative people, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter if they are just trying to bring you down. So mm-hmm. don't allow them to do so.
0: Yeah. I, well, one thing that I, that like, I heard that's quote one time and it made and it made me like really think about it it's like whether they love you or hate you they're still giving you attention yeah and it's true i mean if you think about it it's like yeah Yeah. even if they act like they hate you i mean they're still making your name known so really it's like they're they're technically helping you and not hurting you so (laughs) it's like if you don't have any haters then you know then It's no big deal. It's like you're going to eventually, like you're going to always have somebody that doesn't like what you're doing, and it's like don't let that deter you from actually doing what you know what you truly want to do. Because there are people out there that actually care about your message and what you're doing, and that's all that matters. They're the ones that matter. Um, Definitely yeah Definitely. and it's like yeah it's like and and that that was one thing that used to keep me from doing things too because it was like oh well what if they don't like this or somebody doesn't like this and it's like well what if they do like you don't stop yourself from doing it, it from what ifs it's like just yeah. do it well what if it does work and mm-hmm. like yeah so
1: And some people are just gonna be angry because you exist mm-hmm. that's that's just, that's the reality. Some people aren't going to like that. You're even there. They don't care about your story. They don't care about where you came from or the work you've had to do. And that's okay. And they they can not like you, um, you know, that's part of life. But, um, I know that my, you know, my value is not on someone else's opinion of me. I know who I am better than anyone else. So, um, I just try, I keep my blinders on. Um, luckily, I haven't had, you know, a lot of people that are really mean to me, um, at least to my face, I guess, <laughs> but, um, you know, I just try to keep my keep my eyes forward. And I had this um, quote for a really long time. I had it in my Instagram bio and I ended up having to take it out because I ran out of characters, <laughs> but um, it would say, eyes on the stars, feet on the ground. And it just meant keep your eyes focused on your dreams and your goals, but keep yourself grounded and humble. And I still go by that to this day. I think it's super important. But my eyes are always on the stars. I know where I'm going. But um, my feet are happy with where I am. And I'm like, level headed on on what's going on. So um, people yeah, people can say whatever they want to say, but I, I got work to do.
0: Yeah. You have a lot of work to do,
1: especially this year.
0: I mean, wow. Like, yeah, you're going to be so busy, but but it's always good. It's always good to be busy because it means you're you know, you're doing something right because obviously people want you. They want you around. They want you doing what you do and um, and you're good at what you do. And I mean, honestly, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing everything that you do this year. I mean, I know there's probably like other things that haven't even been like tossed your way yet that you're probably going to be like thrown into. Like, Hey, you want to do this? Yeah, I, I hope it. so. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're throwing yeah. the positive energy out there.
0: I love oh, it. Oh yeah, definitely all positive energy. Cause I mean, you know, just, I mean, just what you did at Coda was massive. Like that, you know, that was something that, you know, uh, not very many women get to do. They don't get to you know, be a host when it when it comes to something on that massive of the scale. And it's like, so, yeah, I mean, it's like what else? Like what else can come your way? Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I do love that quote that you mentioned, because it's true. It's like, you know, we just need to keep aiming higher for whatever we want. And it's like, but yeah, stay humble but yeah, just keep aiming higher and just keep reaching and, you know, and
1: yeah, I I made a list of things that I want to do or just experience at some point. And some of them are completely out of reach or some of them, uh, maybe closer than I, I think that they are, but, um, I preach that pretty often out what I, you know, what I want to do and, one of the things I've talked about before is I definitely want to pit report in the upper three truck sixfinity or cup one day um, on the broadcast, and I hope to make that happen. Um, I we speak on Jamie Little here, but I've shadowed her. I shadowed her last year, which was really eye opening because I grew up watching her do pit reporting when she had the fire suit and everything, right? At, uh, you know NASCAR, and when I shadowed her it was extremely fulfilling to see how she prepares her reports, because it was very similar to how I repair, like prepare for my reports. So when I saw her doing it, I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. I can do this. (laughs) Right.
0: It's like, oh, she does that. Oh my gosh. And I, you know, like, then obviously I've got this, I've got this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's amazing. Um and yeah, like you said, it's like especially with Jamie. She's been doing this for such a long time and it's like being able to learn from her. I'm sure that was that was an amazing experience. So
1: it really was. And she works with uh, Heather duboe who is her pit spotter and Heather is also now doing pit road this year. She's done some Arca events and I think she's doing some truck stuff. But there's a a good circle of women in motorsports that are so good at what they do and knowledgeable. Um, and so just being able to be around them and, you know, learn off of each other and support one another, it's been really nice. And then, um, of course, my sister-in-law, Caitlin Vincy, she's great at what she does and everything. So we have conversations almost every other day, just supporting one another and being there, um, which is, it's really nice to have that um just close-knit with different people in the industry
0: yeah and then obviously having your sister-in-law be like like i'm sure you guys have so many stories that you can just like share with each other and then kind of like you know um get feedback off of each other i'm sure that that helps because
1: you know that's somebody that you're really close to so yeah it's really nice i like to be able to do that and also two things that we may struggle with as just being women and racing my brother doesn't um, always understand that. Um, and so it's nice to have uh, what I like to call my sister, but you know, <laughs> there to help.
0: Yeah. But I mean, once you've gotten so close, she's practically your sister anyway. Yes. It's like, you know, like you can even just be like, I'm dropping the in-law part, like, you know,
1: yeah. most of the time, whenever we buy each other cards, it doesn't have Like the sister-in-law just may be sister.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean,
1: cause she, I mean, she's family.
0: So like, you don't even have to really think of her as like, oh, that's my sister-in-law. No, like we're sisters. Like, I mean, you know, we, we love each other, like to the point where it, it doesn't make a difference. Like the label doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but man, like, I am so excited to see everything that you do this year. Cause like just talking about everything that you have experienced and then coming, like, you know, it all coming full circle is like, man, like what else can you do? Like, you know, it's like, it just seems like no matter what you're going to keep like growing, like it's going to be like everything that you're going to be doing is just going to get bigger and bigger. And like, I, I love to see that. And yeah, no, definitely. I mean, cause it's like, but when just seeing like you and on TV and stuff, it's like you're inspiring so many women and young girls, you know, that want to do this type of stuff. And they see that and it's like, oh, well, she's doing it so I can do it, too. And it's like that, you know, that's something that um, I think a lot a lot of us even went through, it's like, you know, we like you watch Jamie Little do it, you know, when you were younger, and it's like, Oh, like, I love this, like, I want to do this too. And it's like, now like, it's come full circle, and you were even like, learning from her. And so it's like, yeah, I think that that's something that's so important, is that when we have that representation on screen, no matter where it is, or just out in the open, it's like, it gives, girls, this, you know, feeling that it's like, you know, I can shoot for this dream too. And yeah, yeah.
1: definitely. I have people that reach out to me pretty often that may be graduating from high school or they are just now starting in college on just advice on kind of what they need to do. Um, And I always just, you know, tell them I'm like, one, if you want to do something, don't take no for an answer, just keep going. Like, you know set your set your goal point your arrow and then to work hard um there's ways that you can get experience like we talked about the local tracks right and like that. but there's just ways that you can volunteer you can get advice you can uh get in the mix of where you want to be in sports or you know at, at racing different levels and things like that um and I just try to say, I'm like, you can do it. It's totally mm-hmm. possible. You got to you got to put in the work. And I think that's one thing. This is my 11th year working in motorsports. So I think some people maybe say, oh, everything has happened so quickly for you in the last year. Well, yeah, I've been at NASCAR for a year and a half, almost two years at this point, um, but it didn't happen for me in two years. Right. It, has been happening for me for the last 11 years. So it definitely takes time and dedication, but I agree with you. Um, You know, it's all about us seeing other people doing it and then taking that initiative to recognize like, oh, that's something that we can do as women and we can move forward. in. so um, I try to take that seriously and help as many people as I can that also want to break into the industry.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's it's like that's what I love about the motorsport community is like it's you know, it's like you, you know, if you truly didn't want to help people, like you, you know, you could, but it's like you're no, know, you're wanting to inspire people and be like, hey, no, look, you can do it too. Yeah, you're gonna have to work like really hard to do it, but you can do it. Like there's plenty of room for all of us. And I think that's what makes a difference, is that it's like you're not looking at them as like, oh, my gosh, they're going to be my next competition. No, it's like, you know, we there's room for all of us here, like in mm-hmm. some way. Um, and and that's like, that's what I'm all about, too. It's like, I would rather collab than compete. Like, there's really no need for all of the competition. And like, you know, because, you know, there's enough room for all of us here. You know, yeah.
1: I um, always say to like we, there's enough room for all of us to win. We can all win. There's plenty of different opportunities out there in all areas. Um, and sometimes you may not be the right fit for a certain job, not because of you, but just they're looking for something else. So I think, you know, we can all win. And I think the more women that are involved in motorsports, the better it's, it's a great feeling to be able to, Go to the track and see more women there and more people that are involved in it and um again having like a good support system around you is really important
0: yeah no i definitely agree um that that's like the most important thing and i am so thankful that you were uh, that you came on the podcast today um you know and we're able to share everything your entire story and then obviously you know, just the things that you mentioned that were really inspirational. Um, And, you know, I know that that would, that a lot of the listeners would love to hear because obviously, you know, that shows that, you know, all of us can be a part of the Motorsports community in some way, whether that means, you know, you're a spectator, or if you want to get into like reporting like you are, um, you know, there's room there's room for all of us to do something in the community to help bring it, you know, like, to make it bigger than what it is. And honestly, just for it to be around for generations to come, because that's really what this is all about. Like, that's how the motorsports community has been sustained is because of you know, multiple generations being involved in it. And you I mean, you've seen that firsthand. I mean, you were born like, you know, pretty much you know, I mean, you went to your first race track, you know, when you were, you know, you were an infant. So it's like, you know what that's like, and your family grew up racing. And so, of course, you Yeah, I mean, you, and then you raced on your own, and then you moved up into reporting. But you know, that like you said, you, you'll, you'll jump back in a race car real quick, and it wasn't it wouldn't make a difference. And I think that's why, like, I think. The whole multi generational thing is what's going to keep the motorsports community around. Is that people tend to not get out of it. It's like once they've been in it and they're born in it, they tend to stay in it. And so, yeah, yeah I think that's what makes it so unique. And um, and obviously, you're a major asset to the motorsports community, um, and you're doing great things. And yeah, I can't wait to see more of what you do.
1: Oh, thank you again so much for having me on and, uh, for everything you're doing for the motorsports community and having this podcast and bringing light to different stories on here. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And, um, I hope to continue to do great things and make everyone proud and, um, you know, continue to be a, a advocate for women in racing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, um, I mean, I think this is just the start, right this is really just a start for you and like you're going to continue to do such great things and yeah i mean i think we're all going to be looking forward to it so
1: awesome thank you i will keep my fingers crossed on all right. that, but it should be a good year i'm looking forward to it yeah
0: no definitely it'll it'll definitely be a great year okay guys i hope you enjoyed um Hearing that episode with Jacqueline, um, I know I loved doing that um, that episode with her. It was so much fun. Um, I will have her uh, social media linked all in um, the show notes, so you guys can definitely check her out and follow her journey. Um, she's always doing so many different things um, in the realm of racing, um, whether it's the car store sometimes she's also doing, um, things with, uh, the wheel series pretty much NASCAR roots. And, and, and then also, you know, right. Just, uh, regular NASCAR as well. So, um, definitely check her out on, um, her social media links below. Um, besides that, I do want to, uh, take a moment and, um, talk to you guys about a, um, a raffle that is going on um, a local um, – it, it's more local, but, I mean, obviously this is on Facebook, so it doesn't matter where you're located. But um, a really good friend of ours, uh, Jason with Cajun Graphics, he does the designs for our, our race car. You know, he does the rap for our race car and everything. And he's just also a good friend of ours. We've known him literally, gosh, forever. I, I mean – our kids were little when we, you know, when we um when we first met Jason. Um him is him and his wife are um wanting to have more children and unfortunately, you know, they're gonna have no choice but to go through um fertility treatments. And obviously for anybody out there that knows anything about, you know, um Fertility treatments, they're extremely expensive um, and, you know, not very many families can afford to do that. Um, and so they are doing a raffle on Facebook um, that is going to go towards um, the treatments. So I'm going to link um, that in the show notes as well. If you feel called to, please, you know, you know, purchase a spot. Um because, you know, obviously they need all the help that they can get. Uh, also, I will be sharing it on all of my social media platforms. So, um, so if, you know, so you guys can definitely um, look for it there as well. But, um, but definitely, you know, check that out and make sure that you guys, um, you know, help out this cause um, as much as possible, um, you know, and, give you know a a family a chance to have you know children that you know unfortunately it's been hard for them to do um naturally so um and also I'm even though this is not fully related but I'm also going to link um in the resources section below like it'll be in there as well I'm going to link um Samantha Bush's nonprofit it's called bundle 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 of joy Um, and that her nonprofit does the same thing. She, uh, raises money, uh, for families that are not able to, uh, that are, that are needing these fertility treatments and are not actually able to afford them. So, um, obviously she only caters to specific areas, um, in the U S. So if you are within, um, I believe it's just North Carolina and South Carolina for right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that they won't grow. It's just as of right now, those are the two main uh, states that they cater to. Um, I'm going to link that in the resource section as well. Um, so if you are someone that's in one of those two states that might need that type of help, you can apply um, to, you know, to receive one of those, uh, pretty much like a scholarship type thing. Um, so... So yeah guys um, definitely make sure that you check that out and um, and so that's it for me guys until n- next week um, I hope you guys have a, m- a happy New year I mean because literally it'll be New Year's day um, when the next episode comes out um, it'll well that night. And then um, for the people that are on the VIP section newsletter, you will get to listen to it on New Year's Day. Um, And then everybody else will get to listen to it on Tuesday. Uh, So, yeah, so that's it, guys. I hope you go out there, um, manifest your best lives, and look forward to 2024. I will see you guys on January 1st of 2024. Take care.